you like our show and you want to help support us, head over to patreon.com slash ompodcast. If you throw us a couple of bucks a month, it'll help keep the lights on, and we can keep talking to these lovely, lovely guests that you like to listen to every single week. So head on over to patreon.com slash ompodcast. that music means it is open micers time my name is jason robbins i'm jacob craig and our guest today is the host of profiles the show that gives you a 30 minute overview of celebrities such as Smokey robinson and joan rivers just today two out of 300 over 300 and he is the president of quest media entertainment inc which is a television production company please Give a warm welcome to Mr. Mickey Burns. How are you doing, Mr. Burns? Honored to be here. And by the way, Jacob, we just we finished our five hundredth episode in wow. January. Wow. So now, now we're at like, you know, five thirty seven, something somewhere in there. That's awesome. It, it, and That's... it's quite a ride. I can imagine. What what goes into producing a TV show for that long? Because most shows are lucky to get a hundred episodes. Well, I, I think it's a combination of things. Our location helped. You know, we do the show from Times Square. So a lot of the celebrities during non-pandemic times <laughs> come through Times Square. Uh, and, and we're in a location there where uh, the Today Show and Sirius Radio, we're all in like a three or four block area. So celebrities coming through can do my show, the Today Show, Sirius Radio. They can do four or five interviews in one day in order to promote whether it's a new album or a tv show or a new book so the location was important and the second thing is i i I believe uh that our show was a 30 minute overview of their life and career and there aren't a lot of shows left where they have that opportunity if they go on the jim fallon show it's maybe five seven minutes how you doing how's your dog oh you have a new book have a nice day but with us, we have a half hour to uh, in depth to go into their life and career. And I think they like that format. Well, you started the show in 1998, <laughs> so it's been on for 22 years now. That's, that's quite an accomplishment. Well, we were doing another show at the time, Jason. And this was an offshoot of that show. And the show okay. was special edition, and it was a show we produced, News Magazine for Time Warner. Mm. And in every segment, we had a four-minute, five-minute profile of a celebrity in New York City that was passing through. If Tony Orlando was on Broadway, we'd hop up there and do a, a little piece on him doing that. Uh, and there were celebrities doing stuff all over Manhattan. And every time I came back to the studio, I would say to the, to the staff, you know, it's a shame. I just had a half-hour interview with Tony Orlando, and we have to break this down into a four-minute segment. And we're losing all this great interview. We should do another show, long form, in depth, half hour showing full of profiles. And and the first one we did was with Chuck Mangione, the trumpet player. Mm-hmm. And it, and I said, this is fabulous. You know, they, they love it. You know, the people uh, watched it, loved it. And I said, we have a winner here. And that was that's been many years ago. 
Uh, Jacob had mentioned that you had interviewed Joan Rivers. Um, I did. What was she like in real life? Because I, you know, being a comedian, I, I loved Joan Rivers when I was a kid. I always thought she had a really good comedy style. And, um, you know, she took over to The Tonight Show for for guest hosts and stuff like that. So what did you think of her as a as a person? Was well, she th- like she was? Is, is, was that her personality or, or was that a... No, I mean, I think that was her personality. But what struck me about her, which I wasn't that aware of prior to those three interviews, was that she's so intelligent. She's really Mm -hmm. smart. I mean, she—I think she had a major. She was valedictorian of a class. She majored in anthropology, not comedy. Wow. You know, Uh, and uh, really smart, uh, very determined, and and an energy level like I had never seen before. I mean, she, she worked 16 hour days all the time. And I'm telling you, she was a tireless. You know, she never got tired. Uh, and, and I remember the last interview that I had with her, uh, I wanted to talk about her plastic surgery. <laughs> <laughs> I was a little, little queasy going in, you know? And I said to her, uh, a lot of people are interested in your plastic surgery. Because I read, whoops. Whoops. Oh, that's a. <laughs> still there? Yeah, we're still here. Uh, 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 and I had read somewhere that you had your eyes done, your nose done. And then she took it from there and she said, yeah, I had breast reduction, liposuction. And she went down the list. And she, what, so I guess the reason I'm, I'm telling you this, she was also extremely honest and yeah. transparent. She would talk about anything without a problem she was very giving and one of my favorite guests because uh and she was funny really funny so how did you um like take us to the the kind of the beginning of your uh kind of entry into uh the entertainment business like what was some of your how did you get into what you're doing that's a great question when i was in college and i went to college in missouri uh, Missouri Valley was my college, and I went to graduate school, Central Missouri State, and and I majored in communications. I wanted to be a sports broadcaster back then. <laughs> you got the voice but, for that. <laughs> you know what happened? As I got closer to graduation, uh, that was BC. Mm-hmm. You know what it stands for? Uh, Before Cable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, there wasn't a lot of stations around. It was like four or five people. There were seven stations tops, not like today with 500 channels. Yeah. At the time, I really, I miss New York. And I realized if I go into broadcasting, I'm going to have to start out in some small town in Idaho uh, or, or North Dakota and then work my way up if I had the chops. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even there, there wasn't a lot of opportunity. It's very difficult. So instead, I decided to come back to New York, and I became a teacher and a coach. And I did that for a number of years. My best friends worked at Channel 5 News, Fox, in New York City. And I, I also, I was a professional singer as well. And one day, uh, one of my golfing friends who was a cameraman up there said, Mickey, my partner's going on vacation. You want to work on the news crew as a sound man. And I said, I'll do anything to get my foot in the door. So I started doing that. <laughs> and 
it's like anything else. Once you have your foot in the door, I work my way from within. And in a very short period of time, I was able to finagle myself to do an on-camera story. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. And that was 30 years ago. Wow. So you've been in it a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And loved every minute of it, you know. And can I tell you one quick story? Oh, yeah. You have a, you have a moment oh, with yeah. uh, time with when I was a sound man at Fox. The way you made a lot of money was to get on a special. Mm-hmm. All right. And they were doing a special on domestic violence. And again, my friend who was the, the cameraman said, Mickey, I got you on this special. You, you would make about $2,500 for the week. That because you were working long days. He said, we're going to Patterson, New Jersey. And we're going to police the police station there and wait for a domestic violence call. And then we're going to f- go there with the police. And I said, Richie, we'll be here all day waiting for this call. Right. <laughs> we get there two minutes after we sat down. <laughs> You're on. Let's go. Get in the car. Got a woman just called her husband's uh, beating her up and he's got uh, a knife and a gun. So this could be a little hairy. So we hop him back to the. The police car, we race to the scene, and the house is like an old Munster house, hmm. you know, very old and big and scary looking, you know, <laughs> and dark. It was like February. So the cops go in, we're behind them with the camera and the boom mic. We can't find this guy, right? On the second floor, they noticed the ledge, the window was open about a foot. They said, he must have jumped out the window, so let's go around the back. We go around the back, and there's all kinds of garbage back there, old tires, leaves. And we're standing in the middle of the yard and the police are with the light in the hedges. And all of a sudden I noticed on the ledge, I thought I saw the tip of a sneaker. So I said to Richie, who was the cameraman, point your light up to that second floor ledge. And he did it and he saw the tip of the sneaker and then he panned to the left, right onto the guy's face. (laughs) (laughs) We got him. And the police have their backs to us. So they don't even know what's going on, you know. So at that point, he realizes we got him. He stands up on the ledge. The police start coming towards us. And with that, he jumps off like Spider-Man onto the cops from the second story. And start wrestling. Right? And we haven't moved, Jay. So we're standing in the same spot. Wow. You know, it was like making a movie, but this was real. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. What it was like. So then. You know, they're fighting in the leaves and they, they're trying to handcuff them. They finally handcuff them. They, they throw them in the back of the car. We're taping the whole thing. Goes, we go right to the police station. They, they bring them right to the cell. As the cell closes, I said to Richie, go to commercial. I mean, it was unbelievable. <laughs> the reason I tell you that is that won an Emmy. Really? That's, yeah, this domestic violence special. And the people on the <clears throat> West Coast, but the best part of the whole special was this scene that we had paid, you know, two minutes after we got there. And that was the scene for cops. Because when they saw that in the Fox in the, on the West Coast, they said, this would make a great uh, scene. We should just send the, the camera crew out the police every night and see what they come back with. So that was the scene for cops. Wow. Wow. So you had a hand in creating one of the most popular and longest running TV shows in America. Jacob by total accident. <laughs> by total accident. That's the exactly. way to do it. We were only there like five minutes. 
We rushed to the scene. We stood in one spot and everything happened around us. And we came out with gold. It was gold. <laughs> and how much money did Fox make off of the next 30 years <laughs> because of that? Get a nickel. And you, you should get something. I'd be, I'd be writing a letter or an email. <laughs> you know, back in the day. Uh, but yeah, that, it was just by accident. But it was so riveting to see something live and real like that. You didn't often see that on television at that time. Yeah. So, but I tell you that because you asked me how I got into the, the business. And boy, do you think I had uh, an itch to keep going at that point? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course. You, I was, uh, all, I was all in, you know? Sure. I and you it. were involved in the production of a, another television special that also won an Emmy. And, and that, I think that was the uh, pro-life versus pro-choice. Right. Uh, and that was well, a year later. That was like a year. And the only thing I can tell you about that uh, is that I, by doing that special, I realized at that time how passionate the people were on both sides of that issue. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine. Yeah. And that's, that's likely why it won an Emmy is because yeah. there's just, that's the kind of story where there's passion on both sides, which means of course, everyone's going to watch it. Yes. And, and every inch of that tape was, a, there was passion involved. You, you couldn't have, it was, again, get involved in watching it and whether which, Regardless of which side you were on, it, it was interesting. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you a, a question and kind of put you on the spot here because of, you know, you had 22 years of, of interviewing guests. Who is your favorite guest that you've taught that you've interviewed? Wow. There's been a lot of them. Joe Montana was one early on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everyone has a, a fascinating story to it because i think every interview that i've done and i've done over 500 half hour episodes uh has something about it where i've learned something from from these guests uh but i'm gonna go down the list like i think eli wallach was one of my favorites you remember him eli the good the good the bad and the ugly yes 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 he was the ugly yeah <laughs> <laughs> But he was also a phenomenal Broadway actor. He was in the last Wall Street. Very accomplished actor. But I, I, I'll give you an example why he's my favorite. I like George Foreman. I loved him. Mm -hmm. Loved Smokey Robinson. Loved Joan Rivers. Loved Christopher Plummer. Loved Tony Orlando. He's my favorite celebrity of all of them. He's such a, uh, such a nice guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, but Eli Wallach. After, you know, after we completed the interview, he said, Mickey, take a walk with me. And I said, wow, this is a good day. Going to walk up Broadway with Eli Wallach, you know? <laughs> and as we were walking up there, I said to him, I didn't know where we were going. I said, Mr. Wallach, I would, he was like 96 years old at the time. Wow. But, but really accomplished, you know? Uh, so I said, where are we going? And he said, oh, we're going to the cobbler to get my shoes fixed. The other little you know, plastic bag with his old shoes in there. And I was trying to be funny. I said, Mr. Wallach, why don't you go to Macy's and buy 10 pair? You're a million, millionaire. And, and I thought I was being funny. And he grabbed me by the wrist and he stopped me in mid-stride, looked me straight in the eye and said, Mickey, I grew up in the Depression. He said, back then, 
we didn't buy new, we fixed old. Mm -hmm. And he said, never been able to shake that. Wow. You know, that stayed, that's, and then I think he passed at like a hundred years old, but that stayed with me. Uh, and I'll never forget it. It was like, it was yesterday. That's some good advice. Well, yeah, yeah. They had to be that way. It wasn't by, you know, it wasn't something that they thought about it. That was a reality of the times. Nobody had any money. Yeah. Right. I I have one more question that goes along with that one and you don't have to answer it if you don't want to. Enjoy this. Whatever you want to go ahead, Jason. Who is your least favorite person you've ever... Who's that? He's a Broadway star, Ben uh, Vereen. Oh, very, Ben Vereen. And he's very talented, right? But I'll tell you why. We sit down, and I was looking forward to it because I used to, I mean, the man used to be able to do anything. What an actor, singer, dancer, mm-hmm. Pippin on Broadway. I asked him, you know, first question, uh, Ben, welcome to Profiles. Uh, how's everything going? The man went on for like 20 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> another question in, right? And we tape it. It's not live. We edit it, too. Yeah. After the first, uh, first question, I stopped the cameras. I said, Ben, this is a half-hour show. You just use a, I got like 10 minutes, and I have a ton of questions to ask you about your life and career. Could you shorten your answer just a little bit? Oh, Mickey, I'm sorry. No problem. So I ask him a second question. You know, how did you get the role in Tiffin? Because you you won a, a Tony Award for it. You were great. He went off for another twenty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> we're done. We're done. Yeah. You know, I said, you know, so what I had to do was interview him for like an hour and ten minutes, and edit that down. Mm-hmm. To so the editor was not a very happy camper. <laughs> and I said to him at the end, I said, you know, Ben, uh, this was a great interview. And I'm sorry, I'm glad you're aware that a good interview is about give and take. <laughs> yeah. I don't think, he, you know, because he didn't understand, you know, the rhythm of a good interview. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Neither do I. Oh, no. <laughs> so you asked me who was the worst. He was the worst. And not many were. You know, of the 500 plus that I've done, I can't think of too many more that I would put into uh, not very enjoyable and not a good interview. Most of them were great. Yeah. Right. We've been, we've, uh, you know, I've been a podcaster for about eight years now, and I've interviewed quite a few celebrities, and uh, I, I haven't really had one that I've really thought was bad yet, you know? That's a wasn't for Ben Vereen, I wouldn't be able to answer your last question. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, maybe we should get him on the podcast yeah. so that we can finally... You get a night off. You know, just ask him yeah. one question for the whole time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, I'm interested in this. How did you pivot from going to uh, news and sports coverage to being an election night reporter? Well, the, I, that was pr- the Time Warner. Uh, I, I always knew a lot about politics. I didn't have much experience in it, but I, I knew the players. And the one thing that I think has made me, given me the longevity that, I've, that I have and have had is my preparation. I go into every interview overly prepared. And I think it's the same thing with the election night coverage for Time Warner. 
I, I would do my homework and I knew what I was talking about and I knew what I wanted to do going into those things. So preparation is the key uh, to success. You don't necessarily have to be an expert in what you're covering as long as you're prepared. So how many of the election nights have you done? I did about seven. Okay. And so- then I realized I really didn't know anything and they got somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so what what is that like to to kind of cover an election like would you consider you know the most recent uh election to be kind of the the, the most um explosive i guess you'd you'd say that's an understatement you keep, right <laughs> yeah <laughs> but i think the thing with the, the covering election night was to get bites from the players involved that was the most important and to get numbers back it's different today. Uh, everything is done quickly. Yeah. But back then, you know, they had to get the numbers to come into the headquarters and the head, then we would decipher it into the into our studio. Uh, so you're running around with a chick back then, a chicken with your head cut off to get the numbers and then between the numbers, get the bites with people who are players uh, on, on site. Yeah. Right. Easy. I remember most of the time you were exhausted by the time you left, <laughs> if you're not getting numbers, you're setting up your next interview. It's not easy. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine being a reporter during uh, election, especially this last one. With you know, I, I was looking on on Twitter, and there were some. Um, they were talking to some of the guys who were literally there for just days and days and didn't sleep. And like, yep. I don't think I, I I would like any job enough to not sleep for like four or five days and just be constantly on the air. <laughs> I always saw it as a challenge. Yeah. You know, I guess it was something different and it didn't happen every day. It was something that happened once a year mm-hmm. uh, and it was a, a different kind of challenge. So I welcomed it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Should nickname it the sleep triathlon. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so how has... COVID uh, impacted you personally, especially since you're the president of a television production company. Uh, are you able to produce anything right now? Well, we, we are doing that. It, we didn't do anything for, I'm going to guess, five months. And then we got, we got very antsy and we started to produce again. And we're producing now. We're very careful. You know, I've our crew is a skeleton crew. Uh, nobody else on the set but our skeleton crew and the guests. And uh, yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, next week I'm interviewing, uh, let's, I'll test your knowledge on uh, music, Robert Cool Bell. Oh, yeah. No, I know that name. Um, the name of the band that he played for was. I'm going to. It was cool in the gang. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Celebration, Joanna, Tonight, and uh, they they must have had 10 top 10 hits. Oh, yeah. Right. Now he's got his own line of uh, champagne, so he's moved up in the world. Really? That's kind of <laughs> interesting. <laughs> That's incredible. Doing him. Uh, I was had Dion Warwick on our schedule. Uh, for, I think it was yesterday, and uh, when we had a spike here in New York again, uh, she got scared and backed out. Because everyone is doing Zoom, 
but we're trying to get back into the studio because Zoom is not what we do. We're an in-studio, and, uh, and uh, we didn't like the Zoom. You right. guys very well, but that was not what we did or yeah. do. But yeah, we're back doing them. Uh, but you know, by you know, for March, April, May, June, I would say July, uh, we were on hiatus, which is not only bad for me, but it's bad for the people that work for me that are used to working on a steady basis. Yeah. Well, there's always one question I like to ask people that are, are highly successful like yourself, you know, with it being in the, uh, you know, having your own production company and, and having a really successful TV show and, all, all, you know, and all, all those types of things. Like, what is the one piece of advice you would give somebody that wants to get into, say, just uh, something into the inter entertainment industry, like if they want to have an interview show? or something yeah. of that nature. What is the one piece of advice you would give to somebody that's just starting out? Yeah, uh, there's no magic bullet. I would say, you know, identify your talent. You know, make sure you have talent before you put your all everything you have into it. Get some advice from people in the business, not from Uncle Joe, yeah. right? <laughs> and that, who are going to tell you, you're wonderful, you're great. Right. Yeah. Uh, get some advice from from professional. Secondly, before we get into the business end, be yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. Don't try to be like Jimmy Fallon. Don't try to be like David Letterman. Don't try to be like Mickey Burns. Develop your own unique style. You know, you're not going to be a how next Howard Stern. There's only one. Yeah. You know. There's plenty of room for new personalities with a unique style that's captivating. So uh, my, the last piece of advice is, uh, if they really want to go big, to try to work from within, not from the outside looking in. Uh, it sounds complicated, but I remember when I was at Fox. Now, remember, I got into Fox really I didn't even put a resume in. You know, I just got lucky. But once I got into the, in, in, in the inside the structure, it's so much easier to work your way to do what you want to do. Yeah. Um, I remember off the newsroom at Fox in New York City, there was like an, an office that was unused. And they used, people used to send in tapes and resumes, and they would throw them into this room until they would go almost up to the ceiling. And once a month, the, the news director would come by and say, I want to see this room cleaned out by, by 5 o'clock today. And they would bring one of those big dumpsters, throw everything in the dumpster, and that, nobody ever even opened the, the unsolicited mail. Yeah. Trying to pitch a show, or you're trying to get a job. You know, the, the, the chances are so astronomical. You know? Uh, but, but today, everything is different. In those days, you didn't have the Zoom and the podcasts. Uh, so the opportunity pre to present your work is right in front of you. Back then, we, you didn't, we didn't have that. But again, if there's any way you could, I tell people all the time, because some of the millennials that come and work for me, they want instant gratification. Mm -hmm. 
You know, they want to be a star yesterday. They yeah. want to be. <laughs> yeah. And I'm telling me and I tell them, go get the coffee. And then in a couple of years, we'll talk about it after you've proved that you have a worth ethic. That where I really want to give you that opportunity, yeah. you know, look, learn your craft first. And in time, you'll get your opportunity. And Joan Rivers said to me, too, you've mentioned her before. She said, like people in comedy, those that really stuck with it and were able to deal with the rejection mm -hmm. over time all found their niche somewhere in the comedy world. Yes. So again, Absolutely. it's the stick to it, this, you know, never say die, don't quit. In the end, you better have some talent. Yeah. And right. Better, because when your opportunity comes, it may only come once. But yeah, recognize may... it when you see it, though. And be ready. Yes. Ready. Because when that opportunity comes, that chance, you got to be ready. Is Eminem, whether, what's his name? Eminem? Yeah. Eminem, yeah. <laughs> Eminem, what, what, what did he say about it? He had a song about that, right? Yeah, you only get one shot. Do not miss your chance to blow, you know? That's it. That's and, and and I do believe that. And when I finally got my chance, I was over prepared. Mm -hmm. You know, I I was every day at Fox. I'm watching the best in the world do what they do. So I was like a sponge. I was like a sponge, learning. Mm -hmm. Do this. You don't do this. How to dress. How to do an interview. How to do a stand up. I said, Oh, okay. How to write. How to write. I remember the I, the first story I did. I, I use the word imperative. And they said, what, what, what's that? Yeah, imperative. Mm -hmm. You break down to the simplest form your, your, your language because not everyone has a master's degree like you. <laughs> not imperative. So I learned early on, oh, you break it down to its simplest form when you're doing a news story. So again, you know, I learned from the best and I was ready when my opportunity came to be more than ready to be in front of the camera. Yeah. That's actually the best advice I think we've ever been given on this show. I think so is, too. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense because when, you know, when people ask me like, how do you, how do you get into acting? How do you get into movies and like stuff? It's like, well, just, you got to just get on set, find, you know, find somebody, yeah, get on yes. set, watch people learn stuff, you know, that's help, it. help people That's move stuff go get coffee for people talk to people and the more connections you make you know the the, the better it's going to be and the next thing you know people are calling you to do stuff yes I, I right. just to get to the next question but keep in mind when i started out i was holding a boom mic mm -hmm. like i told you the story about the cop story right yep. but that middle of the backyard of holding a boom mic but i went from that to being on air in New York City for almost 25 years. Wow. Right. And, you know. Right. Oh, yeah. That's how it's right. Yeah. And the same can be said for anyone who wants to get into comedy. If you want to get into comedy, know who has the weed. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You give, up, you give them the weed and you'll get booked. Yeah. That's all it takes. You know, I just had James Murray. From Impractical yes. Jokers. <laughs> I love James Murray. I love Impractical Jokers. Both from Staten Island, mm -hmm. as our author right. joke, right? And, you know, he was telling me when he started doing stand-up, he was getting $5. He Oh, he had to pay them 
five dollars for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Wow. When the Impractical Jokers did their first show, they rented a, a, a club in Manhattan and it cost them like $150. Ten people showed up. That was it. At 200 seats. And he said when he went, when they sold out Madison Square Garden, he got out of the subway and he saw the sign Impractical Jokers sold out. He started crying because he remembered doing stand-up, paying $5 to have the opportunity to practice his craft. Yep, Absolutely. Me and Jason have paid out of pocket many a time to travel to four hours away and get paid 20 bucks out of a tip jar. Yep. Yes. Well, we're coming, we're coming up on the end. Um, we're, we're running out of... Go another hour? I'm ready to go here. I'm oh, I'd love... <laughs> trust me, if we could, I'd love to, but <laughs> Zoom only gives you 40 minutes. So. <laughs> you, got, you guys are very good at what you do. And uh, you're on to something. Keep it up. Keep it up. Thank you. Thank um, but you. I do have Appreciate one you. more question for you. Yes. Where's the best place to get pizza in Staten Island? Well, there's, you know, a lot of competition here. But there's a place that's historically known as the best. It's called Danino's. Danino's. You can look it up on the web. Been there forever. And the best part about it is it's in a place called Port Richmond. And right across the street from it, is a store called Ralph's Ices, the best Italian ices in the city of New York. So you go have your pizza at the Nino's, which is the best, mm-hmm. and afterwards you go have dessert across the street, Ralph's Ices. You're in heaven, All Jason. Right. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I have a friend that I'm going to visit that lives in uh, uh, New Jersey, just right across the bridge from New York, and... Uh, I'm going to visit go. him as soon as all this COVID stuff is over with. I'm going to visit, and we're, I'm hitting up all the best places to get pizza, food, everything while I'm up there. You'll thank me, uh, and please call me after you, you uh, try it. I will. And thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show tonight. Uh, Jason, it's been my, my pleasure. Uh, Jacob, my pleasure. And uh, yes, to sir. both of you, uh, God bless and continued success. And uh, if you would like to follow him, uh, you can go to your um, Twitter is Mickey Burns TV at Mickey Burns TV. It's the same thing on Facebook and on Instagram. Awesome. I will put it in the show notes. So thank you very much. And uh, Jacob, anything you want to plug before we leave tonight? Yes, tomorrow night, or I guess afternoon, I am on a live stream comedy show from across the pond. It is hosted in the UK. I'm doing it right here from my bedroom. It's going to be 2 p.m. CST. You can follow Hen Nights. That's H-E-N-N, Nights as in the opposite of days, on Facebook and YouTube to see it. And I'm not getting paid a dime, so you might as well just like watch, I guess, and help. <laughs> uh, like I said at the beginning, don't forget to go uh, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. Just a couple of bucks a month keeps the lights on here, and we do extra episodes every month for our Patreon supporters, and you get the shows a little bit earlier than everybody else. So as a patron, you get early access to the episodes. And other than that, we're going to go ahead and get out of here. If you would like to email us, you can email us at openmikerspodcast at gmail.com. We are at openmikers on uh, Twitter and Facebook. And 
patreon.com slash podcast and leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free and we will see you guys next week and thank you to Mr. Mickey Bird